someone has written, because Christians are the most forgiven people in the world, we should be the most forgiving people in the world. As most of us know from experience, however, it is often difficult to forgive others genuinely and completely. We often, this person continues, find ourselves practicing a form of forgiveness that is neither biblical nor healing. What is biblical forgiveness? When should we forgive? How can we overcome unforgiveness in our hearts? And what if we just downright refuse to forgive? The deeply important topic of forgiveness is the subject of our sermon this morning. Forgiving whatever grievances we may have against others. And in our treatment of forgiveness today, the four questions just mentioned will be the outline, will be the points which we will cover. Let's pray to the Lord concerning what we are about to hear and then take up those four questions. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you and we ask that you would continue to help us in this time of worship. Help me in, in preaching. Help all of us in listening, understanding, receiving, following. Oh, Heavenly Father, we uh, pray that uh, you would be more important, that you would be what we are all about as far as our lives go, and that whenever we are in your word, <clears throat> we are in your word all the way. We want to hear, we want to understand, we want to follow, we want to honor you. Again, please be with each one of us now. In your Son's name, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> we live in a sinful world, and it is foolish to expect that we will escape ill treatment. So first, what is forgiveness? Meaning, what is biblical forgiveness. Let's begin our understanding by seeing what it is not. One, biblical forgiveness is not a feeling. It is not some feeling that we have forgiven the one who has wronged us. Forgiveness has to do with an act of the will. It is a choice, a decision that we make. It's like salvation. Salvation is not a feeling. Salvation comes about through the act of receiving 
the Savior, Jesus Christ, in faith. Forgiveness, once again, is not a feeling. Two, forgiveness is not forgetting. Quote, to forgive and to forget is a cliche that has cemented those two acts together in the minds of many. Forgiving and forgetting, however, are not synonymous terms, end quote. We may not mentally forget some of the wrongs that have been or will be done against us, but we can still forgive the wrongdoers. The Lord God, because he is all-knowing, knows about the sins of his children, all of our sins. But he has forgiven our sins in Jesus Christ. Then three, biblical forgiveness is not excusing. It is not excusing one with words like, that's okay, no big thing. Uh, nobody's perfect. Doing wrong is not okay. When one does wrong, he or she is responsible. Someone has said forgiveness deals honestly with sin. I don't know how many times I have said to someone who has wronged me, that's okay. No big thing. I should not have done that. I should have said upon repentance, you are forgiven. Well, if biblical forgiveness is not a feeling, not synonymous with forgetting, not excusing, what is it? Just what is biblical forgiveness. It's this. It's a decision to not hold the grievance we have against the one who has offended us. It's a choice to release a person from his or her debt to us. In our scripture reading of the morning, our New Testament scripture reading of the morning, which is a parable about forgiveness. We see that a servant who owed his king much was forgiven, meaning, verse 27 of Matthew 18, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. A choice to release a person from his or her debt to us. A Greek word that is often translated as forgive in the New Testament means, I have read, to let go, to release, to send away. It often refers to debts. We send away the debt to us 
we let go that offense in reference to us. Psalm 103, verse 12, tells us that that's what our God does to those of us who are forgiven. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Another word for forgiveness in the New Testament means to bestow favor freely. To bestow favor freely. Forgiveness, then, is to release a person freely from his or her debt to us. To release a person undeservedly from his or her liability to us because of a misdeed he or she has done against us. I still remember something that I read many years ago. I read about a husband and a wife who were seeing a marriage counselor. And the wife on this particular occasion had something like a thick notepad with her on which she had listed the various wrongs her husband had committed against her. To forgive means to freely cancel the husband's debt, to send away the husband's liability concerning her. The Lord God knows all about us. In a sense, he has a book on each one of us. He has undeservedly canceled the wrongs of his children against him in Jesus Christ. Let me go on just a little more with our first point. I have read some of Ken Sandy's book, The Peacemaker. In fact, I'm, I'm utilizing this uh, a great deal uh, for our message today. Ken Sandy is in our uh, PCA denomination, and he says in The Peacemaker that forgiveness may be described as a decision to make four promises. I really, really want to get into the nitty-gritty of forgiveness. We've been explaining it, but it's still kind of general what we've been saying. So I hope you will try to remember these four promises that a person who truly forgives makes in that forgiveness. These promises are good and they're helpful for forgiveness. Here they are. Forgiveness is making and keeping the promises. One, I will no longer dwell on this incident. Two, I will not bring up this incident again in a negative way and use it against you. Again, we're really looking at what biblical forgiveness is. Three, I will not talk to others about this incident. Four, 
I will not allow this incident to stand between us. Let me just give those four again. They're that important. I will no longer dwell on this sin. I will not bring up this sin again in a negative way and use it against you. I will not talk to others about this sin. And I will not allow this sin to stand between us. That's what the Bible, I believe, Ken Sandy is right on, that's what the Bible means by the word forgiveness. And that's what God has promised us. God no longer dwells on our sins. God does not allow our sins to stand between us upon forgiveness. What God has done in reference to us is what we should do in reference to those who are indebted to us. Our second point now is, when should we forgive? Look with me at Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Starting with the words, if your brother sins. Okay, one more time. Luke 17, verses 3 and 4. The Lord Jesus says to us, if your brother sins... Rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. When should we forgive? We should forgive when the one who has offended us repents of his or her wrong. When the wrongdoer confesses his or her sin with sorrow, asks for forgiveness with the purpose to change. When that takes place, we should extend to that one. I will no longer dwell on your offense. I will not use your offense in a negative way against you. I will not talk to others about your offense. I will not allow it to stand between us. Repentance, I forgive you. Peter, you'll remember, denied the Lord Jesus three times. I don't know the man. A great sin, a great sin. But because of his godly sorrow and repentance, he was forgiven. David sinned in reference to Bathsheba and Uriah and his nation. He repented and the Lord forgave him. Whenever there is repentance, there should always be forgiveness. But what about when the one who has offended us doesn't repent? What about when there is no sorrow, there is no confession, there is no apology, there is no turning from that sin? What should we do in the face of unrepentance? Let me read to you what Ken Sandy says about this in his book, The Peacemaker. 
When the offender has not yet repented, I want you to listen to this, this is good. You should make a commitment to the Lord not to dwell on that hurtful incident. This will protect you from being eaten up by bitterness and resentment and will also improve your ability to respond wisely. However, the last three promises of forgiveness, where we release the person, where we send away the offense, the last three promises of forgiveness are not appropriate until the offender has expressly repented. Let me repeat this using my own words. First, we must put away the wrong, the going over and over and over of that wrong in our minds. If we don't, that wrong is going to eat us up, it's going to devour us, and we, no doubt, will go on to sin in our attitude toward the offender. But second, for the sake of the offender, for his spiritual and moral good, we should not grant complete forgiveness until that one comes to grips with his or her sin and repents. Notice again Luke chapter 17, verse 3. Luke 17, verse 3. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, do you see that word if? And if he repents, forgive him. Also meaning, if he doesn't repent, do not grant that one full forgiveness. He, she has done a wrong. He, she needs to deal with that wrong correctly. Once more, why, or excuse me, what should we do in the face of unrepentance? We must not give full forgiveness for repentance should precede full forgiveness. Point three. How can we deal with unforgiveness in our heart? How can we overcome unforgiveness when there should be forgiveness? Someone once wrote these words, I suffered emotional abuse for all the years I was growing up and into young adulthood until I was married. It was horrible at times. I was constantly criticized for everything I did. I was never encouraged. To this day, I wake up with nightmares. How can I learn to forgive so that I don't feel this anger? Here are three truths to draw on when we are seeking to overcome unforgiveness. Three truths. Number one, know that God always works for good in his children's lives. Always. When someone has wronged us, that incident was not out of God's presence. 
It was not out of his control. It was not out of his sovereignty. God allowed it for our enrichment. Let's use Joseph once again as an illustration, Joseph of the Old Testament. That's the lesson Joseph of the book of Genesis gives to us. Joseph's brothers greatly wronged him. In fact, the Bible says that they meant evil. They meant evil against him. But as Joseph went on to say in Genesis 50 verse 20, God meant it for good. Know that, quote, God does not allow any pain into our lives that is not an instrument of his grace. You're going through some pain right now in reference to a relationship or something else. God does not allow any pain into our lives that is not an instrument, an instrument in his hands of his grace. That's number one. Number two, remember how much God has forgiven you. In our scripture reading of the morning, when the king heard that the servant he had released from his huge debt did not do the same with someone who owed him very little, he summoned that servant and said these words to him, verses 32 and 33. You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? I think of Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. One of the most important steps, Ken Sandy says, in overcoming our unforgiving attitude is to focus our attention on how much God has forgiven us. If we are continuing with a heart of unforgiveness, we are behaving as though others' sins against us are more serious than our sins against God. There was a time uh, I was wronged, and I was... I was having difficulty forgiving that person. I, I was wronged and, and I was having trouble sending that away. God in his grace had me focus on my sin, his forgiveness, my salvation. And as he had me focus on that and, and think about that, uh, I found that God worked that forgiveness in my heart that I needed to have for that other person. Think about how much God has forgiven you. And then three, draw from God's strength. Above all else, the Bible teaches that true forgiveness depends on God's enabling. Quote, 
If we try to forgive others on our own, we are in for a long and frustrating battle. But if we continually ask for and rely on God's strength, we will find the ability to forgive even the most painful offenses, end quote. And I want to remind us that God gives us that strength. God gives us that grace through scripture, through prayer, through worship, through fellowship, through the sacraments. Above all else, draw on God's strength. Let me end that point in this way. Is there someone who has hurt you and you have not forgiven that one? A parent, a child, uh, a former best friend, someone who has hurt you deeply. If your brother repents, forgive him. God always works for good in his children's lives. Remember how much God has forgiven you. What has happened to you is nothing compared to what you've done to God. And draw on God's strength. Last, what if, what if we will not forgive? What if we just will not forgive? What if we refuse to release a repentant person from his or her wrong? Here's the answer. God will not forgive us. God will not forgive us of our wrongs. We should not expect God's release concerning our sins. Look with me at verses 32 through 35 of Matthew 18, going back to the parable. Matthew 18, starting at verse 32. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. R.C. Sproul has made this comment on the verses that I've just read to you. If someone offends you and then apologizes and you withhold your forgiveness, you need to change your ways. If you do not, there is a jail cell waiting for you. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. As we have forgiven our debtors. If we will not forgive our debtors, then we will not be forgiven by God. And my friends, if that is where you are. You're sitting here right now and you know that you have not forgiven one or more people. If that is where you are, you need to ask God to change your heart. 
most likely you need to ask God to give you a new heart. I say a new heart because most likely you're not a true Christian. You're not a true believer. I'm not trying to say forgiveness is easy. I'm not trying to say we just snap it out when we're, when we're wronged. But I am trying to say what the Bible says, and that is, if we do not forgive, then we will not be forgiven. And if we stay that way, most likely we have never gone to the Lord Jesus Christ and become a Christian. Ask God to change your heart and to lead you to forgive, even as you have been forgiven if you're a Christian. Let's pray.